Yes, we meet at 7 p.m. every Friday, right? If you're watching online, my name is Joseph Boni. I'm the youth director here, and it's so glad to see everyone here. Hope to see you guys, new faces. I love seeing new faces. Uh, we got some returning faces. Good to see you, Brian. Um, today is an awesome, going to be an awesome sermon series. We're going to get into this topic called Equally Yoked. Everybody say yoked. I just, just a sneak, just a heads up, right? Just a little bit of a teaser, right? Yoked is not your eggs. We're not talking about eggs today, right? So you're not going to, because I cook some good eggs. Ask my wife, right? But we're not talking about eggs. And we're not talking about getting swole either. That's a new term. When people go to the gym, they get yoked. We're not talking about that either. Talking about something completely else, and we'll get into that in just a second. But without further ado, sorry. Without further ado, I welcome to you the Sienskis, Andrew and Lauren. They are. We have Elder Andrew and Pastor <laughs> Pastor Lauren here. They're going to give an awesome testimony about the relationship. So ears open. Eyes out, right? They're going to tell us some good stuff. Awesome. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Andrew, like he said, a governing elder here at Metro Praise. Um, and Pastor Joseph right there just hit the nail on the head with our message is about obedience and faithfulness to God and the blessings that he gives you when you have a beautiful relationship through that. Um, Lauren and I met as teenagers through her sister, through the church, um, <laughs> uh, she kind of went a little wayward. I'll let her share on that. I stayed. I stuck around. I was looking for stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, how many know life doesn't just come to you, right? You got to kind of figure some things out. Um, stayed in church, uh, dealt with my own things, and uh, eventually the Lord brought us together. But um, what happens is we want to be equally yoked. We want to be faithful to God and his calling and not faithful to just someone that we like, someone that we um, have our eyes on, right? Not what a boyfriend or girlfriend can give us in a relationship, but what God has for us is ultimately what is best. And this is the best thing for me. So <laughs> um, what happened in my life, um, I was in church. I was growing up. I was doing the thing. I started paper chasing, as you kids call it. <laughs> I, was, I was building my life, building a career doing all these things, but what happened was there was a bitter root in my heart. I was exposed to pornography at a young age, and that took a real deep root in my heart. Even though I tried to serve God, you know, it, there was always that, that hidden addiction in my life. And um, what the, I really had to do was surrender that to the Lord um, because that led to anger, that led to bitterness, that led to pushing a lot of people away when really the Lord wants us to have community, to have each other, to be able to be accountable, to lean on each other to build each other up in the things of the faith, right? So I had that going on. I had to deal with that. And once God was able to break that off my life through obedience to his word, we got this. <laughs> and then I guess I'll let you share a little bit of what's going on with your life. Thank you. All right. So my story is a little bit different than Andrew. I did um, grow up in church, but my mom died when I was five from cancer and at that time, my dad just stopped taking us to church, but thankfully, my sister was still saved, loved the Lord, and she continued to take me to church. So I was still involved. I went to a Christian school, which really did a lot for me because all of my teachers there, the principal, they loved the Lord so much. So I really 
got the word of God. We had chapels every Friday. So I know there's some kids in here that go to Christian school. I know you may not like it, but it's good for you, Jenna. It's good for you. <laughs> but it was good for my life. That's the reason that I, I believe that the Lord kept me on um, the narrow path. But as I was growing up, I had a lot of anger in my heart from losing my mom. I felt like I needed to search for love. A lot of people nowadays, you hear them looking for the love of a father, but what I was missing was the love of a mother, the nurture part. I did have a good dad, but I was really missing something, and instead of turning to Jesus, I began to turn to the things of this world. I began to get into different relationships at a young age and really was never satisfied, never found what I was looking for. I began to do drugs. I began to drink heavily and just went into the wrong, the wrong things at a very early age. And that kind of became a cycle in my life. I would come back to the church. I would repent. I would get right with Jesus. I would feel him, encounter him. And then I would leave the church and go do the same thing over and over again. But like Andrew said, we met when we were teenagers. I think the first time I met him, I was 14 years old. Never thought that I would end up with him. I had no clue, um, but I'm so thankful that I did. God knows what we need. Um, so as I was in and out of the church, again, I never, I never knew that this was going to be my man. Um, and I began to go to college, and I got into some relationships, and I actually ended up getting pregnant um, and became a single mom. And when I got pregnant, I actually came back to this church, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to raise my baby on my own, and I knew that God is the one that would be able to help me with her. And um, it's through obedience. I began to be obedient. I began to receive the healing that I so needed deep in my heart, the pain of losing my mom. And I began to let Jesus really touch me in a real way and open my heart to him. Um, so... <laughs> Can I interject? Yes. Part of what actually attracted me to her was the passion that she had for the transformation that Jesus did in her life. Um, that only Jesus could do. And you could see that in her and the passion through her serving in ministry. And I know you'll share probably that you saw me serving with my hands, building the church. <laughs> uh, maybe a little, if she feels like sharing that. But um, on, the, the one thing that actually, when I really first like had that little pitter-patter, you know, that little pitter-patter for her, she crushed the pack of cigarettes on the stage and threw it out. And I don't think you've touched them ever since, right? Praise God. Amen. The Lord has set me free from many things. Um, I remember, though, him telling me after we got together the first time, well, he noticed me before, you know. But when I was pregnant, he began to have eyes for me. And I never knew it. And, of course, I was praying that God would send me a husband that would love my child like it was his own and that there wouldn't be a difference in my family and all of those things, very, very... Um, um, what's the word? <laughs> Thank you. Specific prayers God was answering through Andrew. So I, um, I began to, I had my baby, and I felt the call to Bible college. And it was through that time that 
I began to, the Lord began to open my eyes towards Andrew. I never really noticed before. I, I thought he was cute and all, but I never thought that I would end up with him. <laughs> I never thought I would end up with him. And it was just one day, I really feel, I could just tell the story, but I feel like the Lord just whoop my eyes. And I was like, oh. And my heart, my heart began to beat, and I wanted to walk away really fast. And I'm like, what just happened to me? Um, and then I kind of started to show my interest. He thought I was playing games with him because he couldn't believe it, right? Yeah, you were hard to get. <laughs> he couldn't believe it, but that's the Lord has been faithful to us. Uh, we've been married for over 10 years. It'll be 11 years this year. And we have four beautiful children, and God has been so faithful to us. And the thing about being equally yoked Obviously, when you're with people, you could see in your own families, with your friends, you don't always get along, right? There's times that you'll have arguments. There's times that you'll do, you know, uh, not see eye to eye. But the thing about marriage is that we always have a foundation in Christ. We're always able to, that's, that's the bottom line. We're never going to treat each other with disrespect, we're not going to uh, dishonor each other because I know that he is a child of God and I'm a daughter of God and that's how we should treat each other as being equally yoked. We have that foundation in Christ. Amen. And the Lord has been able to use us together as a couple, especially doing discipleship together with other couples, um, marriage counseling, uh, many different things that help build us up in the faith as well. Um, because we work together. She has a heart for ministry as she's a pastor. I have a heart for the church as an elder. And we just continue to grow together. And the Lord yoked us to do great and mighty things for his kingdom. Amen? We're, yes. we're building the kingdom together. And it's, it's better together. Oh, it's so much better <laughs> together. Yeah, all my dream has, dreams have come true with him being my husband. Uh, God couldn't have picked a bitter, better, a bitter, a better man <laughs> to be with me. And one thing that I would tell all the women or young girls in this place is uh, there's a scripture in Song of Solomon that says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And I, pr I wish when I was your age, I would have listened to what the Bible told me to do. I wish I would have listened to what my leaders, my teachers, my father was telling me to not awaken that part of my heart until God brought me the right one. Yeah, yeah and, and just like she said, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, staying in the Word, you're able to test and see the perfect and pleasing will of God in your life, right? We don't just go by feelings. Like I said, there's a pitter-patter. Yes, that's natural. Yes, I'm attracted to her. Um, but ultimately, if it's right, it's going to line up with the word of God in your life. It's not going to stray you from the things of God. It's going to draw you closer to the things of God. And like I said, the Lord has been able to use us in so many ways um, and our family as a whole. It's been a beautiful, blessed 10 years. Amen. Yes, it's been blessed. And there's just something, too. Um, it comes with, like, you know, sometimes the secretive stuff in the world that feels more exciting. But I would just challenge you. When you feel like you want to keep everything a secret and it's like, I'm going to have a secret relationship over here. Let your leaders in your life, let your parents in your life. There's something so beautiful about when everybody around you is like championing or what's that word? 
Sure. What is it? Sure. Charging you on? Champion. Spurring you on? Whatever. Okay. Rooting for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Brianna. <laughs> but when everybody around you has your back and they're like, yes, this is of God and you can live holy and you can keep your eyes on Jesus and you can do this thing with Jesus. And it's so much better God's way. It's so much better God's way. I'm telling you, I hope you all hear me. Do it God's way. God's way. Amen. I think, I think that's about it. All right. All right, another hand clap for that awesome testimony. That was amazing. You know, and I, I hope that you guys are, are really appreciating um, just all the testimonies here this month, right? We've had different perspectives, well, not different, but different backgrounds, really, you know, different stories. But one thing in common is that God is the foundation of everything in, their, in, their, in every relationship that we've shared. A lot of things that, uh, that you know, they spoke about, uh, I'm going to really reference to, but, um, you know, of course, the biggest thing that they said was uh, that what they were doing lined up with the Word of God. What they were doing lined up with the Word of God. The Bible says this, that we have to submit ourselves, humble ourselves to the Word of God that has been planted in us. So you guys, looking at most of you here, have been in Elevate for some time now, and the Word of God has been given to you. And a lot of times the Word of God has been planted in you. You know, you've received it. Right? Well, you've listened, you've heard, but that's just half of it. You have to really receive it and believe it and then obey it. Once you, once you obey the word of God, you submit to it, then you'll start to see a lot of what, like what, ha what happens in their testimonies. Like, for example, Lauren being set free from the addiction of cigarettes and a lot of the other things she was set free from, you know, that's because she heard the word of God, believed it, and obeyed it. Right? Andrew, addicted to pornography, could not live pure. Listen, pornography is adultery. If you're in a relationship and you're watching porn, right, you're cheating on that person. Because Jesus said, if you commit lust, if you, if you lust after another person that's not your wife or husband, you commit adultery in your heart. Right? So Andrew had to be set free from that, but he had to hear the word of God, believe it, and obey it. So that's what I want to let you guys know today is that, you know, Obviously, the last couple of weeks we've talked about single living, right? Oh, last couple of weeks we've talked about single living. We've talked about being joined together. But what, what really gets the joined together part happening is being equally yoked. Everybody say equally yoked. And what that means is we should not be unequally yoked because we have nothing in common with unbelievers. A believer has nothing in common with an unbeliever. And we'll get to that in just a second because we have to talk about what it means to be yoked. All right, how many of you have ever, how many of you know what it means to be yoked? Raise your hand. All right? Yeah. Let's get a picture of two eggs. No, I'm just kidding. Just wanna... Let's get a picture of an ox and another ox yoked. I'm going to show you guys what this is about real quick. Um, this is, this is ultimately what the Bible is talking about, right? Like, 
How many of you grew up in a farm, right? Put your hand down. Most of you didn't, right? I know. I know maybe some of you want to go to a farm, you know, maybe we got some cowboy and cowgirls here, right? I don't know. It's up to you. Yeehaw. Yeah. But we city folk here, right? We grew up in Chicago. The only animals we see are rats, pigeons, and bunnies if you're in the suburbs. If you're in the city, you, you just see these dirty pigeons and these dirty rats going. We don't see no animals we milk here. The only thing, we, no, no, never mind. Hey, listen, we don't see animals, right? So sometimes the Bible, right, Jesus and, and, and much of the writers in the Bible, they're not talking about, you know, hey, make sure, you know, your, your drip doesn't interfere with my drip, right? Because then we dripping together the wrong way, right? Like, no, the Bible's not going to talk like that. It's going to speak in a way that makes sense to them first, okay? So when it talks about yoke, it's talking about this right here, right? So that's an ox. For some of you who have never seen an ox before, Right? It's kind of like a cow with antlers. I'm just kidding, with horns, right? So right there, that's, a, that's something that's, that, that's, that wooden part, that's a yoke. They're yoked together, right? The yoke is put on them. Jesus says, right, come to me all who are, heavy, uh, who are weary and heavy laden, uh, and I will give you rest. Take upon me my yoke for my burden. Is, no, take upon, man, sorry, I haven't. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. That's all I needed. A little bit of Daryl, right? Right? My yoke is light. So that's a big wooden thing, right? Heavy on the ox. It's meant to steer the ox so that they, right, can plow the field, right? Because that's what farmers do. They plow fields, right, in order to plant seeds, okay? So that's what the ox are for. Now, get a picture of a donkey and an ox, Donkey and ox yoked together. So you need two ox, right? Because ox are strong, okay? Ox are very strong, right? Ox are like, you know, kind of like, they're really just like bulls, right? You ever seen the matadors? How many of you would get in the way of an ox or a bull, right, when they're charging full speed at you? Only if you paid me a few dollars, right? Right? No, I'm just kidding. My life is worth more than a few dollars. I'd take a little bit more than that, right? now, but... This is what the Bible is kind of talking about with unequally yoked. How many of you ever seen Shrek? That's a donkey right there, okay? Just to let you guys know. I know we, we only see some of the horses downtown if we go there, right? But there are donkeys, and donkeys are wild, right? Donkeys are not people, they're, they're not animals you want to, you know, plow your field, right? And definitely a donkey is not something you want with an ox, right? They're not going to be able to work together. They are Differently, they aren't trained the same way. They aren't handled the same way. An ox and a donkey should not be yoked together. So let's go to Deuteronomy 22, 9 through 12. See, I want to let you guys know that because sometimes, you know, you're reading the Bible and you're just like, you read like one chapter and you're just like, yeah, I don't know anything that just happened here. And then you're like, but I read my Bible today, amen, right? And sometimes it's like that at first, right? But then that's when you get around some, some mentors and some leaders, and they help you learn how to understand the Bible. But sometimes you're just reading yoked, like, why would I put eggs? Why would I put an egg, a egg on an unbeliever? I'm not doing that, right? It's not Halloween yet. Just kidding, right? So then verse 9 says, do not plant two kinds of seeds in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Reference picture. Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. Uh, woven together. Make tassels on the four corners of the cloak you wear. Um, and then it says, 
Uh, that make tassels on the four corners of the cloak you wear, that's meant to be read together with the verse above. So real quick, this was, this was a requirement from God. God literally had Moses write this. He had Moses write this because the law is, trying to, is, is God's way of showing us and teaching us or teaching the people at that time, God's people at that time, to be separate. So everybody say separate. So they're to be separate from the way the other nations worked, and they're to do that by honoring God, remaining pure, and keeping in, the, in line with God's intended design and purpose. So that was the purposes of these type of laws. Many of these laws taught Israelites uh, how to worship God in everything they did, right? And the way that they spoke to one another and the way they handled their workers and servants and their wives and their kids and people that came from other countries and how they handled their, even their animals. And the law even talked about how to treat the land. So the law, to the most minute aspect of life, it had something to say. And these laws taught the Israelites how to, how to keep that. And it was mostly to worship God in that way, but also how to avoid worshiping false gods and idols, right? How many of you just walked around to like, how many of you have been to Jess Cafe? You've been to Jess Cafe. Man, if you're in Belmont Cragen, you haven't been to Jess Cafe, I don't know what you're doing here, right? You need to get out of Dog Stop and now go down the street, get a Jess Cafe, right? Jess Cafe is an awesome Chinese restaurant. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not Chinese, is it? I don't want it. It's, it's everything. It's Chinese, Korean. It's a mix of that. Let's just say Asian, right? Let me be safe here, right? Right? Asian. So in there, when you walk in, this is what you're going to see real quick, right? Everybody look up. You're going to see a big man that's bald with a big old belly, right? Super happy. And you're going to see a bunch of coins there. And because Pete, that's Buddha, Right? That guy right there is Buddha. And what a lot of people in Asian religions do is that they worship, right, or they pray to Buddha, right? They don't really worship him, but they pray to him. That's an idol, right? You ever seen the, the elephant with the hands, right? That is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brahma. That's a Hindu god, right? So when you see these statues and everything, those are idols. People worshiped idols back then. And they worshiped other gods just like today. You might have friends that are Muslim. You might have friends that are Hindu. They worship other gods. It was the same thing back in the day with Israelites. So these laws were meant so they wouldn't worship the other gods. But the issue is it didn't go well. Even though they had the law not to worship other gods, you know what they still did? They worshiped other gods. Matter of fact, one of the first, before they even received the Ten Commandments, Moses goes up a mountain, and while he's there, his uh, his brother and Aaron, he starts tweaking, right? And all of a sudden, he starts leading all the Israelites to worship a golden calf. Like, they just couldn't help it because they were taught to worship these idols by the other nations. So, Israelites were taught not to do that, but they kept failing. They mixed gods. Everybody say mixed. So, the Israelites would, they would worship a little bit of God, right? Yahweh, our God, but then they worship a little bit of this other God. And then sometimes they will worship them together. And then sometimes they will worship our God, but the way that you were supposed to worship the other God, right? It's like this. Imagine, you know, uh, you, got, you, 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 you have a, right? Like I have my wife. My wife, she doesn't like, uh, what don't you like again? Ice cream. Which ice cream don't you like? Chocolate chip cookie dough. You don't really like chocolate chip cookie dough. But you like butter pecan. When I bought you chocolate chip cookie dough, you didn't like it. 
Well, anyway, all right, never mind. I'll get a better example. She's pregnant right now. She doesn't like oranges because oranges are bad for her, okay, right now. So I bought her, like, a whole bunch of oranges by accident one day because I thought oranges is what she likes. So I was loving my wife the wrong way, right? Like, I could have bought someone else oranges, and, and they would have liked that. But I got my wife two bags of oranges thinking that I was doing something real good for her. But she couldn't eat any of that, right? So these people, right, uh, there were gods back in the day. And I'm about to switch tones real quick, so just bear with me. That would sacrifice children to their god, Molech, right? So they would offer children to their god, Molech. And Israelites were being tempted to do the same thing. But now they were saying, hey, we're worshiping Yahweh, or they would do these things, and then they would still try to worship Yahweh. And God hated that. That broke the part of the law. Then, listen, here came a man named Solomon, the third king of Israel. And this is where everything just went to, to hell, literally, is that this guy was the third king, super wise, wisest guy, richest guy in the Bible, right? Maybe over almost all the time. And he has this idea, right? He wants to make Israel more powerful than other nations, so he begins to marry the other nations, which was against the law. He begins to mix. Not only does he begin to mix other nations' women with his, you know, his life, he takes their gods with them. He takes their rituals. He takes everything about them and mixes it. Next thing you know, he marries 700 women, right? Out of lust for power, out of lust for sex, and he destroys what God had built with Israel, so this leads us to this passage. This is what Paul had in mind, right? God used Paul to write this, and this is what Paul was thinking about. He's like, listen, like, we're, Jesus has come. You know, we're believers now. It's not about races or tribes or anything, but it's about Christ, and we can't be unequally yoked with non-believers. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18, and this is the, the main passage that we're going to be on. But this says this, right? It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, okay? So everybody say yoked. Everybody say yoked, right? For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is like the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Everybody say the temple of the living God. And point to yourself, right? That's who you are. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Praise God for his word. Listen, this is one of the biggest things you can understand as a young person. This passage right here, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 onward. One thing we have to understand is do not be yoked, unequally yoked with unbelievers. And just to help us understand, because a lot of people like to twist this, because the, back in the day... When segregation and, and much of slavery was happening, you know, you had people that would say, oh, this means that we can't 
We can't have intermarriage among races. That means a white person can't marry a black person. A black person can't marry a Latino person. People have to be within their same race. It's not talking about that at all. It's not talking about different cultures either. So you grew up in the suburbs. That's your culture. You grew up in the city. It's not talking about different cultures at all. Some people have used that. Like, oh, we weren't equally yoked. We just didn't work out. No, no, no. That's not what it's talking about. This is talking about belief and faith. What? And not only belief in faith, but service. This verse is talking about service. Back to the donkey and the ox, right? And the, and the seed and the cloves, that, that passage. You see, Paul, he's, he's looking at that passage. We should be looking at it the same way, right? It's bigger than just the farm. It's talking about us, and it's talking about God's kingdom. You see, because the donkey and the ox, right, they don't work well together. Why? They have two different trainings because they have two different masters the person working with the ox trains them differently than a donkey right for example right you're not going to look to your cat you know your cat muffins and say hey give me your paw or you're not going to look at your cat and say hey fetch you try to fetch with a cat cat's going to look at you like what you fetch that's how cats are right but then you're not going to look at the dog right and, and, and pretend it's a cat. No, they're two different kinds. Two different kinds. And a, a believer has a much a com, as much in common with the unbeliever as a donkey has in common with an ox. Two different kinds. Because they also have two different trainings. They have two different masters. Two different ways of life. Then when it talks about the seeds, okay? One seed is different than the other seed. If it grows together, the weaker seed is going to be cut off. Just bear with me. And then with the clothes, that was because people weren't supposed to look like the other nations. The other nations dressed one way, but God's people isn't addressed this way. That's how it was. All this is pointing to the kingdom of God. Why would we as people be yoked together? Why is that being used? It's because the purpose of people being yoked together was to do the work of God. You see, the Bible talks about how the word of God is like a seed that's planted. And you got to plant the seeds. And the only way to plant seeds is to plow. So people's relationships, the purpose of a relationship is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's not just for you to get in your feels. It's not just for you to, to get a feel on somebody right? The purpose of relationships is to serve God and advance his kingdom. You see, and the problem with trying to be yoked with the unbeliever is this, is that we have different masters. We have different lords. We have different gods. An unbeliever is not worshiping Jesus. An unbeliever is not thinking about what God says or what God thinks or what God would do. See, an unbeliever doesn't Think the same way that a believer does, and therefore what you think is what you do. They're not going to do the same as a believer. You see the donkey that's next to the ox. The donkey's going to kick and everything, and the ox is just kind of trying to plow the field. They're going to be a constant conflict. And at one point, one of the animals are going to give up. You see, and that's how it's going to be. You see, you may think, man, well, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, sure, they're not saved, right? But, I mean, I'll be pure. Man, you know, I'll, I'll be the person that, that leads them to God. I've seen this so many times. Like, I'll be that person. I'll be their savior. That's not how it usually works. 
You see, because this person is thinking, oh, I'm going to save them, right? And the other person is saying, man, I'm, I'm going to save them, right? Yeah. You see, it's two different things, two different point of views, two different goals. When an unbeliever and a believer are yoked together, there's nothing good that can come from it. Because, listen, most of the time the believer is going to be the one that folds. So we have to understand we can't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, and the reason why is because we are not the same. Look at what it says. You may be thinking, man, what, what, you, what do you mean? I, I have lots in common with my friends. I have lots in common with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and they're not saved. Listen to what the Bible says. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light and darkness have? What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? This is the comparison right here. You'll be thinking you have in common with unbelievers, but the Bible says you have about as much in common with that unbeliever as Christ has with the devil. That's what you have in common. There's no commonality there. What agreement, and I was just talking about this, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? So, so the temple of God is the same as idols. Jesus is the same as the devil. Light is the same as darkness. Righteousness is the same as wickedness. That's like, saying, that's, like, that's like saying evil is the same as good. That's the comparison that's being made. There is no, nothing in common. We are the temple of the living God. God dwells in us. And, of course, Paul knew there were similar cultural uh, values that were had together, right? I mean, there's a Greek here and a Greek there, right? There's a Puerto Rican here and a Puerto Rican there. You like rice, I like rice. Big whoop. That doesn't mean anything. You like Jordans? I like Jordans. That means nothing. You like basketball? I like... That means nothing at the end of the day. Paul knows there's stuff like that, but that's not what yokes you together. You see, as believers, what yokes us together is Christ. And if Christ isn't there, you're not going to have a good friendship, relationship, or anything. You may like basketball, or you may like, you may like drama. They might like drama. We need to get out of that. That's just not good at all anyway, but... Here's the thing. Christ is the yoke. He's what guides us. He's what steers us. He's what moves us. And if we don't have Christ, we're not going anywhere. So we must intentionally separate ourselves. You have to understand that it's not going to happen all willy-nilly. Like, if you're in a relationship with someone that's not a believer, it's not like, man, I pray, God, that you would just either save them or get me out of this. No, you better get yourself out of this. Be obedient to the word of God. Get yourself out of it. Because the Bible says this right here in verse 17, come out from them and be separate. That's a command from God. God is not suggesting. He's commanding you come out and be separate. Be different. He says right here that we must come out and be separate. Touch no unclean things. See, this is all about purity. God wants us to be pure. First Corinthians, and, and, and this is the thing, blending in with the world leaves us the same as the world. And when we're in the same as the world, we're going to have the same destiny as the world. And the Bible says that the world and everything in the world will pass away, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. So listen, if you're saying, man, I'm going to be the same as the world, you're going to have the same consequence as the world, and you're going to pass away. First Corinthians 5, 6, in closing, if I can have Daryl come up, please. Por favor. Everybody say, be intentional. Everybody say, be intentional. You see, this is the thing. We're, you're, nothing in your life is going to happen all willy-nilly or an accident. 
You want to change your attitude? You want to get a better habit? That's only going to happen by being intentional. You want better friends? Then you have to be intentional with the people you hang out with. You want to have a godly marriage? You're seeing all these examples of a godly marriage, godly life, freedom, right? Then you have to be intentional. And this starts today. You've got to be separate, intentional. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6 uh, onward. I want to make this very clear, though, right? Like, because what if you're not, what if your family's not a believer, right? What if you're not in a believing family? Or what if you live with unbelievers and, you're, and your parents always bring around unbelievers or, or you're always with your brothers and sisters and, and whatnot, right? This is very simple. Paul says in verse 9, if we can actually go down a little bit more. I wrote to you in my letter. So there's a previous letter Paul's talking about. And he says, don't associate with the sexually immoral. There's a big reason for that, but not all the, and, and he says, I wrote that, not all the meaning people of this world who are immoral, he didn't mean all the people, the people that are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or idolaters, in that case, you would have to leave this world. So listen, this world has fallen. If you wanted to be separate completely from everybody that sinned, you would have to leave this world, right? You'd have to go to like Mars or something, you know, pull a Jeff Bezos and just try to fly to Mars, you know? No, but you can't do that. So, what is he talking about? He's now, I'm writing to you that you must not associate. Everybody say associate. And this really means mix as well. With anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, or an idolater, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler, do not eat with such people. This is where I might step on some toes. If you right here claim to be a brother or sister, if you claim to be a Christian, but yet you are an immoral person, a sexually immoral person, you're constantly watching porn, you're constantly sleeping with other people, you're, you're greedy, you're an idolater, a slanderer, the Bible's saying I should have nothing to do with you because the Bible's not condemning, right, like, you know, just people, right, but the Bible's condemning hypocrisy. As Christians, we shouldn't be fellowshipping with hypocrites as much as we shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that's the truth, what the Bible's saying. Listen, there are people in Elevate that I've seen come and go because they met someone here that led them away. And they thought, hey, well, this person's Christian. This is a Christian friend. All of a sudden, right, they leave together. And they no longer serve God together. They were misled by someone who claims to be a brother or sister but live like the world. And you guys can't fall for that. If I can have the altar workers come up, please. You see, as believers, we have to listen to God and His Word. Because as believers, that's what our life is about, God and His Word. And in His Word, there's truth, there's beauty, there's, there's direction that's good for us, a benefit for all of us. Something to encourage us, something to teach us, something to rebuke us, something to train us so that we can live righteous lives. But in order for us to like really obey it, we have to get around people that obey it. We have to be around people that are like-minded. I'm not saying that you always have to be around someone that's like-minded because then you'll never preach to anyone, right? We still got to preach to people, amen? But I'm saying your closest friends should have their closest friend be Jesus, right? Before you're married to someone, right, they should be in a relationship with Christ. Before you're dating someone, you should know what they think about Jesus. If everyone can stand up, please. So there's a lot of reasons not to be unequally yoked, and, I, I, and, and, and we focused on that. But I want to give you just one verse to help us understand why we should be 
equally yoked. And, and Lauren and Andrew, they really touched on this. But let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter, nine, chapter 4, verse 9. How many of you have ever had like a hard time and you've been down? How many of you have ever like fell in life? Like literally like you were up here one day and then you're just boom, you're in the bottom, right? Listen, when I was in the world and I had those days, I was alone. Even the people that tried to comfort me, they just did not even know how to comfort me. But I want to let you know for some of you that are dealing with loneliness, man, the body of Christ is a simple solution. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, when you're equally yoked with another believer, right? And I'll talk about friendships first. When you're equally yoked with a believer, right? This is, the, this is what you see, right? Because it's not just you and this person being friends, but Christ is in the center of your friendship. Right? When you're down, that person comes and he prays for you. He leads you to Jesus. He says, dude, this is Jesus, right? When, you're, when your friend is down, you know, you don't just say, well, man, get over it, right? But you, you say, hey, listen, you need to look to Jesus, right? You comfort, her, you comfort her or him with the word of God. You remind them of the truth that's all over scripture. And when you're married, it's even better. Because when you're married, you're constantly with a person, right, that's, that will help you up, that will keep you warm, right? But it's not just you and that person married, right? It's not a, just a relationship between you and that person. Understand this. When you get in a relationship as a Christian, it's not just you and that person, but Christ. So you can't speak to that person any way you want. You can't just give any type of advice. You can't just say whatever you want. You can't just do whatever you want. And here's the danger when you're unequally yoked. If you are married with someone that thinks lying's okay, they're going to lie to you. Because who is holding them accountable? You don't know. If, someone, if you're married to someone that slanders and gossips, even their mom and their dad, best believe they're going to slander you. And when they do, what's, who's going to hold them accountable? Nobody. You see, when you're in a relationship that's equally yoked, right, Christ is the center of that. And everything, how you speak, how you act, everything revolves around that fact that Christ is in it. If everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. Listen, I said some things, and I want you guys to be honest with yourselves as you reflect during prayer in this time of worship. Are you unequally yoked? Are you unequally yoked with unbelievers? Do you have friends that are close to you that always leads you away from Christ? Are you dating someone you know is not a Jesus, a, a, you know, a, a follower of Jesus, right? Are you dating someone that you know is not trying to lead you to Jesus? Talking to someone, about to get into that. Listen, and this, is, this word is for you. You need, to, you need to really repent. You need to come out and be separate. You need to be who Christ made you to be. Different. And if you right now, you hear all these godly relationships, but you have never yourself seen a godly marriage, right? When I was coming in this church, I had never seen a godly marriage. So being around people that represented that, it, it, it kind of encouraged me. It gave me a vision for what I wanted to see. Right now, if you're seeing that, and I want you to pray and begin to declare that you're going to see that. 
make a decision right now that you're not going to waste your time with people that are unequally yoked. Make a decision right now. You're going to have your gaze set on Jesus. And that whoever's there right with you gazing upon Jesus, if God be it, that will be the person. Make a decision right now. And if you need prayer for anything else, we'll pray for you. But the altars are open. Lord God, I just pray right now to begin to speak to every heart here, Lord. Spirit, I pray that you would convict us, Lord. God, point us to your righteousness. Point us to your kingdom, God. Lord, may we not be deceived by the empty lies of this world. May we not be deceived by the lies of, the, of Satan. May we not be deceived by our flesh, God. Lord, I pray that we would judge, Lord, by, not by anything but the word of God right now, Lord. Right now in this place, if you, if you are with friends, if you are in company, you are associating with people that are, like, I don't even need to get in the list, but you know people that you're not supposed to be with. You should come up right now so we can pray for you. This is a time to give, this is a, this is a time of surrender. This is a time of commitment. This is a time of understanding what God is doing in this place right now. He wants us to be separate. He wants us to be pure. It is impossible to be pure while mixing with impure. It is impossible, and that's what the Bible's teaching right now. Completely surrender to Jesus in every way. tonight if you right now you are not free from some of the things that were mentioned today like pornography like drugs if you're not free from that if you're not free you need to get free right just like when Lauren smashed her cigarettes and left it at the altar some of you guys need to come up and smash these idols and leave them at the altar some of these things you're worshiping relationships things that you're putting in front of God before God and still claiming to be a Christian. See, that won't stand in the eyes of the Lord. And that shouldn't sit right with you and your spirit. Right now, if you are caught between serving God and serving idols, you need to make a decision. Declare today, make a decision whom you serve, who you serve God or you serve these other gods, these other things, these other lords, other masters. You gotta make that decision. You got to hear God's word and you have to obey yourself. No one's going to make that decision for you. No one's going to walk your walk for you. Your dad's not going to walk your walk. Your mom's not going to walk your walk. You got to make the decision today, Elevate. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to be in love with? Are you going to be in love with the things of this world? Are you going to see Jesus and what he did on the cross and say, that's my God? You got to make the decision today. Because the only one that is affected by your lack of decision, your indecisiveness, your, your, your constant uh, 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 double-mindedness is you. You're the only one.
Lord, have your way, God. Have your way, Lord. Say a prayer dismissal, but you can stay after. But just a quick reminder, all of this is done by the power of God. You can be free only by the power of God. It's what it's obedience that leads us to his power. It's surrender that leads us to his power. When we acknowledge we're weak on our own, he is strong. Father, I pray right now, God, for everyone that heard the word today, Lord, God, that we would simply obey, God. That we would listen and obey. Lord, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, Lord, but we would be doers, God. Father, I pray that Elevate would be a youth group that comes out and is separate, Lord. That is separate, Lord, in this, from this world. When they go to schools, when they go to their house, when they are around their family members, when they're around their friends, Lord, I pray that they be separate in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would help them and guide them, Lord. Lord, that you would bring upon people in their lives that are equally yoked, that are like-minded, that want to follow you just like them, God. Lord, I pray that you would use them, God, to plant seeds for your kingdom, Lord, to plow the field that is the harvest, God, so that we can see revival come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys are blessed. You guys are dismissed. If you need prayer, please come up. We want to pray for you. This is part of of building those healthy kingdom of God relationships, right, is at the altar.